Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Damn You Hollywood. I'm your host, Robert Winfrey, and tonight we will be, re- be reviewing Marvel's latest monumental smash hit, Doctor Strange. Uh, we're going to be, I'm going to warn everybody right now, if you're listening live, Mark and I are probably going to rush through this a little bit because he wants to cover the election which is going on in the United States. And I'm going to kind of be joining him in that discussion, so we're going to do our best to you know, give you all the content you've come to love and appreciate from he and I when we review movies. Uh, it's just fair warning. It's probably going to be a little bit rushed. We're going to actually keep to a schedule today, hopefully, because both he and I are watching the election returns, and I'm yelling at everyone voting for Trump or Clinton, and Mark is fascinated by the whole process. He, you see, we're both intellectuals about it. I'm just too nihilistic to, you know, give you guys the benefit of the doubt. Uh, all right. So without further ado, here, he's Mark. I'm not. Mark, how you doing? I think pot's legal in Florida now. Uh, under specific medical guidelines, I believe, <laughs> yes. Dude, one of them is post-traumatic stress disorder, and I work in a jail. I'm just now prepping myself for everyone coming in with PTSD and going, where's my box? Yeah. Call the doctor. These are the same people who are going to – they're the same people who want Ritalin to make the demons stop talking to them. Yeah, he got off to a sidewalk like the next day. Um, And in case (laughs) – hi. We're going to talk movies, and I'm going to try not to have ADD and yell, squirrel. Um. I, I will. I'm going to give everyone fair warning. I have the TV on in back of me. I will be like looking at my computer, looking at the TV, looking at my computer, looking at the TV. Okay, Doctor Strange, go. All righty. Yeah, Trump's going to win Florida. Wow, good for him. Bunch of morons out there voting for Trump. Idiots. All right, Doctor Strange. <laughs> we'll save me yelling. At- 
Mark, do you understand the importance of the secret ballot as it as it relates to not just the American electoral system, but to actually the history of Western civilization? Look, let me say this. I will explain my reason for voting for Trump uh, at uh, 9.9.30, whenever we're done with this, on YouTube. And it's not for the reasons people might think. I don't actually think he will be a good president. I don't think he will be an effective president. And that's kind of the point. But, again, more on that on YouTube in a little bit. Uh, about 55 minutes, to be specific. All right. Doctor Strange was a bit of a gamble for Marvel. Doctor Strange is a certainly lesser known property in the Marvel pantheon. But if they could, I I imagine that when Guardians of the Galaxy was a smash hit, they really kind of opened up the the coffers there and went, well, okay, people will clearly follow us anywhere. Uh, How do we want to do this? And they arrived at, and Doctor Strange is one of the characters that I think that success let the you know kind of gave them some faith in because dr strange deals with magic and that's not something that they've really dealt with in the mcu proper even with thor uh the property where magic is most prevalent they've done a half they, they do a pretty good job of trying to explain it away as simply physics it's just it's not magic in the traditional sense it's just uh, high, you know, huge technological advancement that we aren't familiar with. In Doctor Strange, it's magic. They actually make that very, very plain throughout the course of this movie. Uh, so again, a bit of a risk, but it's paid off for them quite well. Uh, I'll go ahead and give you my brief rundown. All right, we are introduced to Doctor Stephen Strange, a celebrated and talented neurosurgeon with some personality issues, a bit of an ego. Uh, I think Dr. House, if he was younger, good-looking, and not crippled. Not quite as extreme, uh, but if you haven't seen the movie, not nearly as extreme as Gregory House, but, you know, if you want to understand the trope and the stock character from which they further mold this one. Uh, Then he gets into a car crash that destroys his hands. Can't really be a surgeon without hands. Kind of important. Uh, on his quest to regain use of his digits, he eventually winds up in Nepal, where he meets the Ancient One, played by Tilda Swinton, and is subsequently sucked into the conflict between the Ancient One and her acolytes and Mads Mikkelsen, the great Mads Mikkelsen. And his character is slightly better than stock Marvel villain number 37. But I still can't remember his name. Mm. That is. Uh, it's a weird name. Give me a minute. And I'll even look at it and won't know how to pronounce it necessarily. Uh, yeah, I can't remember how to pronounce that. <laughs> what are you trying to pronounce? Uh, Mads Mikkelsen's character. The bad guy. Tysilius. Tysilius, thank you. The visual, seeing it spelled, was not helping me. Caecilius, <laughs> uh, who has developed a bit of nihilism and a bit of you know, hatred of death, and he wants to, his plan is to take the Earth and merge it and our entire reality with the dark dimension, where lies Dormammu. 
the destroyer of worlds. He is essentially entropy, the end of time. He exists. Uh, the dark dimension is a place without time. Time does not pass within the dimension in the traditional sense of the word. Uh, and and he just, you know, he's kind of had it with life and he wants to go there where he believes all humanity will attain immortality because without the passage of time, death does not arrive. And that's where we will all exist. Uh, not quite true. You know, making deals with the devil never really works out. I want to add something le- to that. Because this was a common okay. theme throughout this movie, which was not only Caecilius, but also Mordo when we get to talking about that. There's a hypocrisy at work. You have the teachings of the ancient one that say, don't mess with the dark dimension. Don't draw from its power. This can only end badly. This will only end in tears. And as, and as uh, Caecilius finds out and then Mordo finds out, she's actually drawing long life from the dark dimension. And in Caecilius, this wakes up this idea of, well, you can do it. Why can't anyone do it? And if anyone can do it, why don't why just don't we? And we can live forever. Uh, with Mordo, which we'll talk about a little bit later, it, there's something else going on with him uh, that they're going to get into in the next movie, probably um, at some point down the line. But I wanted, but that is a central point of this movie: is that the ancient one is not perfect. The ancient one. Um, it kind of says, do as I say, not as I do. And it causes a lot more problems than anything else, which Doctor Strange is spends most of this movie mostly divorced from. If he has to well, confront there, it at all, it's because his life is being threatened. Well, there's a big part of it, too, that I think they should have touched on that they didn't. It's not so much you know, do as I say, not as I do. It's more preparation for higher learning. And that they make that a big part of elements of the philosophy that goes on in there is, you know, there is no forbidden knowledge necessarily. Uh, only forbidden rituals, I think, is one of the lines they use. What you get with right. the ancient one is really more an example of almost an overqualified high school math teacher who, rather than teaching you know, calculus at a high level is teaching the basics of algebra. And consequently, and this applies with every discipline, you know, be it math, physics, which deals with a lot of math, uh, you know, literature, you must op, you must know the rules. You must operate within the rules until you have reached a point where you can break them. And that's, and that's a really interesting kind of place to wind up at, you know, you, the old adage in writing, you know, you never start a sentence with a preposition. Well, if you're learning to write and if you're learning to communicate effectively through that medium, no, you should not do that. When you're really good, understanding how and where to bend or break the rules is of great importance to attaining a higher ability. I mean, same with painting, you know, uh, the whole impressionist movement was derided when it first came out because everyone was so used to the classics. I tend to lean classical myself in my art appreciation, though not exclusively, but everyone was so used to, you know, the classical forms, uh, you know, and you can only, you know, defined lines, things of that nature. And if you look at 
you know, the work of the guys who, you know, again, Monet and Manet, the people who founded and put forth Impressionism, it wasn't that they couldn't do, you know, classical anatomy, classical painting. It was that they understood how to elevate what they were doing. And that, at that point, required bending and breaking what were held to be rules of the artistic world. And that's what you should, that's the discussion that should have been had at some point regarding the ancient one. It's not that, you know, the dark dimension is inherently evil. Dormammu is, but his existence, but, you know, the place he exists in is not necessarily evil. You're just not ready to understand and to make the judgment calls necessary to operate on this higher plane of learning. And again, unfortunately, it get that, that whole idea and concept kind of gets lost in translation. Uh, but anyway, uh, Doctor Strange winds up engaging with Kaecilius. They have a really cool fight sequence uh, through the diamond dimension, which is really the highlight of the movie, in all honesty, is that whole chase and combat sequence. The Ancient One dies. Mordo and Strange wind up uh, stopping Kaecilius and Dormammu. Although in order to do so, Strange must bend time and then make a deal with Dormammu not to... Uh, I actually love how he got out of that. Uh, the plan that he came up with to convince Dormammu that, no, this is a bad idea. Uh, he convinces Dormammu it's a bad idea by introducing time to this timeless location. And it works wonderfully. <laughs> it's uh, just tremendously successful as far as that goes. Uh, Kaecilius and his acolytes are absorbed into the dark dimension painfully. Uh, not a good place to be. Baron Mordo, who has been kind of with Strange, even though they disagreed, finally just says, look, I can't do this anymore. You are violating the laws of space and time. You are violating what I believe to be the natural law of things. I can't do this anymore. And he walks away. Uh, Post-credits, Doctor Strange enjoys a drink with Thor while Thor is looking for Odin with Loki. Uh, I imagine that scene will take place somewhere in the middle of Thor Ragnarok. Hmm. What? <laughs> Just no, no. I'm, I'm reacting to you. I'm not re- reacting to the election. No, that's why I asked. Like, um, for you. I know they. I know they did that with Ant Man. Uh, into Civil War, it was an actual scene in Civil War. Um, maybe it'll be a scene in Ragnarok. Maybe it won't be. Who can say? Um, when well, they considering that Ragnarok. Left, Ragnarok's going to be the search for Odin because Loki has taken over the position well, and the appearance of Odin without actually absorbing the power that Odin uses to keep Asgard safe from Ragnarok. Without Odin, Asgard's going to fall under all kinds of chaos. I imagine Thor and Loki will team up for another buddy comedy where they search for Odin. They'll recruit Doctor Strange because he's awesome. And they will apparently be in New York. And that's going to kind of be the crux of Ragnarok. Well, what I was trying to say was when we last left the Dark World, um, he had ascended to the throne and was masquerading as Odin. But nothing else got explained about that. So, yeah, I imagine uh, what we're going to get is he usurps Odin without actually absorbing the Odin force, which is bad. It's, It's a bad time. Um, all right, let me 
just moving this along here, uh, let me get to a couple of things. One, I like the movie. I think it's one of Marvel's better ones. The elements that make it better than most of the Marvel movies is this is probably one of the best villains they've had, not that they've had the long line of you know, good ones. I mean, it's been Loki and I, you know, and then like Robert Redford from fucking um, uh, The Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier. Yeah, uh, as we've talked about many, many times. So I, I got to get off the election map. Um, so here's the thing. The visuals were the best thing about the movie. Uh, they were in, they were insane. They were great. They were colorful. Um, they were supported by interesting action scenes. Again, we, I think people have heard me talk about this before. I don't like kung fu movies. I don't like people roadhousing their way through the picture. Um, and it was more than just that. They weren't just shooting laser beams at one another. And oh, by the way, this one didn't have a laser beam in the sky, which was nice. <laughs> That's a lot of people have said that. Um, they changed things enough uh, and made it different enough to make it interesting for me. Again, the conclusion of the movie was done in an interesting way in which you, you have Doctor Strange turning back the destruction, not, 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 not part of it or causing more of it. Um, not to mention the fact that it isn't by sheer brute force that he beats his opponent or some sort of uh, thing that pays off at the end of the movie that he learns how to do. He does... And I'm, and I'm going to address that, but he does it in a intellectual way. He tricks Dormammu, basically, in, in a sense. Oh, yeah. He creates um, a, a – I love I'm, Dr. Strange as a character because he's not a bruiser. There are enough bruisers right. in the MCU. And he's not Tony Stark whose intellect is stunted oh, in – Talk about that. I, hang on. Yeah. Everyone is saying this is basically Iron Man with magic. Look, Tony Ooh, no. Stark and Dr. Are completely different characters. Okay, let me let me. Like I said, I like the movie. The visuals were the best part. The villain was better than most. The action scenes actually supported the visuals and were interesting and different from anything that we had seen in previous Marvel movies. Um, what really sets this apart, and again, the people comparing Doctor Strange to Iron Man are are couldn't be more wrong, and they don't really understand what they're what they're watching apparently. So, Tony Stark becomes Iron Man due to a crisis of conscience. He has sent weapons all over the world. And when he realizes that his weapons can be turned not only back on him, but on the people that he loves, on his country, etc., he creates the Iron Man suit to go and get them away from people, which he was already going to get you know, killed and, and Jeff Bridges was going to take over the company. But this even more so draws Jeff Bridges' ire uh, and makes him a target. That's Iron Man, one. If you want to compare Doc, the Doctor Strange story to an Iron Man movie, it most closely remembers, uh, resembles Tony in Iron Man 2, and that's, the, and that's the point that I'm getting at. This isn't about a crisis of conscience. This is about Stephen Strange. The man and his lifestyle were dependent on his steady hand, and when he, lose, when he loses the use of them for the purposes of neurosurgery, Everything else is about getting his hands healed. At no point does he say, or does he even acknowledge the bigger goal here? He has to be dread, kicking and screaming. Tony Stark went, went running towards it, and with the exception of Iron Man 2, when it was about him and curing him of the thing that was killing him, it's always been about 
you know, Tony was always pushing things and trying to do better. His creation of Ultron was about his feelings of inadequacies, his fear that he was going to be the cause of Earth's fall by not doing enough. Civil War. And then he did too much and almost did it. Anyway. And then Civil War was the same thing. Civil War is, uh, we need checks and balances because we're crazy people and we destroy and we destroy innocent lives. And, and, and I said during that review, why didn't everyone just look at him and go, Tony, it's only you. You're the only one. Yeah, um, there's a scene for, uh, or a adaptation of that scene from the uh, YouTube account, How It Should Have Ended, where every one of the Avengers in that meeting, first of all, Cap just frequently says, no, Tony, that was you. No, Tony, <laughs> that, that was also no. you. And you know they're they're all kind of divided, and then Cap, on behalf of the rest of the Avengers, looks at uh, the general and or the excuse me the Secretary of Defense, uh, good old Thunderbolt Ross, and says, you know, if you change these from the Sokovia Accords to the Tony Accords, we'll all sign right now. <laughs> so, um, for for Strange, and and people are not giving this part enough credit, in my opinion. He actually says out loud. Folks, all I wanted was my hands repaired. I'm not in this to fight your stupid magical war. Yeah, more than once. And, he, and said, he, he resists conflict. At first, it's no. You guys said, no, I came here to get healed. I didn't come here to be a soldier. And then after he actually has to kill someone, I took an oath to first do no harm. Now I'm killing people. I'm not okay with this. Right. He is resistant to, I mean, if you want to find a comparable, uh, a comparable character, maybe Luke Skywalker, only he comes to the conclusion when he has, here's the thing, Luke decides he's going to join the rebellion when he had nothing else. They killed his family he didn't, that he didn't want to go back to in the first place and went, well, I'm homeless. I might as well follow the old man and see where that goes. And Stephen Strange was constantly being attacked. From about the middle of the movie on, Caecilius is out to kill him just because he's there. And he goes yeah, I mean, to his Hong first, Kong. That, that whole well, sequence in New York is an accident. He just happens to be in the room when they destroy London. He gets blown into the New York sanctuary. Right. And, he, um, and, the, whole, and, and the whole third act is not about, I have suddenly decided that this is a good, thing, a good and true thing. He's still resistant to it, only they just killed the Ancient One, who basically had to give him a dad talk and say, stupid, it's not about you. Which he doesn't really accept. But he does until the end. (laughs) Not even, I mean, at the the end of it, he's like, well, I I see the point now. I I see the point of this. And we've lost a lot of wizards this day. So (laughs) I, I guess I should. Well, no, it's not that. It's more that he's prepared to spend essentially eternity being tortured and murdered by an extra-dimensional, world-eating monster in order to Mm. save the rest of the planet. Well, the the idea that I took from the last part of the movie was that he sort of resigned himself to this life, but also because he he did – if there's one thing he owned – if there's one one part of the teachings of the Ancient One that he really truly had come to understand – it's that he didn't know everything. And there was a vast universe of knowledge that was out there for him to learn. And I think that, in a lot of ways, was a motivating factor. That's yeah, for not anyone. Tony Stark. No, no, Tony no. Stark already. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, 
And that I think is what make is is, is the probably more so than the visuals, the biggest element of this story is that is that we really do have look, every single hero. Captain America went r- running to become Captain America and hasn't stopped since and never looked back. Thor is just Thor. Thor hasn't. The only thing that changed about Thor was he's less of a douchebag. You know, yeah, he came, he came to care about others and not be sort of you know an angry idiot. Um, Black matured, Widow. Yeah, has, Thor matured but remained Thor, which is endearing. Uh, Black Widow, no character arc. Um, she's just there. I mean, she has these interesting moments, you know, but as far as, you know, the hero's journey, she has none that we've seen. Uh, Hawkeye, same no with Haw- Same with Hawkeye. Same with Banner in many ways. Banner comes to accept the Hulk part of it. Well, Banner that has, uh, let me rephrase, Banner hasn't changed. There's not a whole lot of arc to the Hulk as he's been presented thus far. Uh, again, it starts off with I have this thing in me that, you know, I have this thing. The Hulk, the Hulk story was basically this. I have this thing. I'm going to hurt people. I have to be a hermit. And then he comes to realize he can be part of a team. That's the Avengers. And, you know, in, in, in the middle of all that, he sort of learns to accept the Hulk. That's the whole point of the speech about I was going to blow myself away. As it turns out, I can't. Um, and that's as far as it's gone, because we haven't seen any more of him. We'll see more of him in Ragnarok and see how much more of a story there is. But that's kind of his change. It was like, I reject the Hulk. I accept the Hulk. I, I feel like I can be part of humanity. I am now too dangerous to be part of humanity. So, yes, he changes, but it's more of a flip-flop. Um, so, so back to Doctor Strange, and so we can move this along. Uh, I thought a lot of the elements work, and I think a lot of the criticism that it's getting is really unfair. Yes, if you... Boil this down to just the structure. Yes, it's very similar to, you know, the archetype Marvel origin storyline. But so what? We've talked about this on this show before, that there are only so many stories, you know, ways you can, uh, there are only so many basic stories out there. It's what you do with them that makes all the difference. So who the fuck cares if this is the basic Marvel origin story? They dress it up really it's tiring, personally, to see this repeated ad nauseum. Why? Well, I don't see. I don't understand that. When here's the thing: Christmas trees are all pretty similar too, but you can dress them up really, really nice and make make them look really, really pretty, or you can have Charlie Brown's Christmas tree. Why? They, they all start out the same, but then you dress them up and make them look different. My Christmas tree is very different than Melissa's Christmas tree, and we live in the same house. That's not saying we have two Christmas trees. She wants an entirely uniform Christmas tree of one color. All the bulbs, all the doodads, one color. Her mother and me like the psychedelic, you know, coat of many colors, Joseph and the Electric uh, Technicolor dream coat version of a Christmas tree. The Rockefeller Center Christmas tree, same as your average Christmas tree. And that, to me, is the best euphemism I could come up with for movies. They all kind of start out relatively the same because there's only so, so many so ways you can do this. And then you got to, you know, between the acting, the writing, the dialogue, the visuals, that's what makes all the difference. So I don't. I suppose that my big of, gripe in this instance also comes from the writing in this movie. Okay. This is. I can accept that. And I, again, 
the Marvel formula is tired to me, mostly because they're coming out with, you know, three movies a year. And it's all very similar. They do a good job of mixing genres a little bit. You know, we've been over this before. The first Iron Man being a really good kind of science fiction movie. Thor being high fantasy. Captain America vacillating between adventure and political thriller. You know, they do a good job of kind of finding different genres to place their formula into. Unfortunately, when you see them as frequently as I do, and when you have to think about them analytically, as I do for this show, it becomes transparent very quickly. Okay. And I think, um, and, I, and I think there's a reaction to that. Now, at the same time, if your only complaint about this movie is, well, it follows the Marvel formula, that's not a complaint. That, that's not a criticism. That's, I understand your frustration. Believe me, I do. But if you want to criticize elements of this movie, you don't need to do so without, it follows X formula. Well, okay, there's only, like, you, like we've talked about, there's only so many formulas to choose from. Would right, it be I nice if Marvel screw, you know, monkeyed with it a little bit here and there? And could this movie in particular have benefited from breaking elements of the Marvel formula? Yeah. In a big way. Well, here's what I'll tell you about that. And I'm going to go to a YouTube channel that I really like called Midnight Zed. They do a lot of uh, documentaries about Hollywood. Like they talked about, like mini documentaries. They talked about what happened with Ghostbusters. They talked about uh, the director leaving Deadpool. They talked about um, the director leaving The Flash for a second time. Um, so uh, one of the things that was said, it was actually, and it was said in the, I believe in the, do- the mini documentary about why the director left Flash is you got to remember something. And I think you, you do remember this. And I, and, and I think this is sort of the kind of thing that we get into arguments with some other folks uh, that, that are part of this network or ancillarily part of this network on, uh, on our individual chats is acknowledgement and acceptance that these are products versus the expectation and demand that they be art. And I think you can Venn diagram a little bit of both, but to expect all art in a movie that's supposed to make a billion dollars or around that, I think is a waste of time and energy. And you should just kind of accept the fact that as a pro as far as products go, it's actually pretty damn good. It's better than most products, certainly by comparison, but even in a general sense, if the idea is to market a movie to the biggest audience possible and make the most money available in the marketplace, they did a damn good job of doing that, telling the best story they could. Because if you go too far to one side, you're going to lose a massive part of the audience and you're only going to keep that sort of core willing to accept art house kind of a thing. And if you go too far to the other side, you get Michael Bay's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. No, the other side is Ghostbusters. Okay, even worse. Um, Well, that's kind of the point. Like, in this comparison, if you go too far to, you know, the artistic side, you're going to lose a lot of the people who just want to go to the movies and have a good time is fair. That's the majority of the viewing audience. If you go too far to the, hey, have a good time, this is plotless, pointless, essentially uh, 
what's the word? I forget. Son of a. I don't know. It'll come to me later. <laughs> no, not garbage. There, there's a specific like categorization. A spectacle. That's it. This is plotless, pointless spectacle. Well, so is porn. Right? And we all love porn. No. But the point there is if you go too far, the point is if you go too far the other direction to something that is, you know, overly produced, overly homogenized, without any sort of artistic bent at all, believe it or not, the majority of people are still going to reject it. Because whether they can articulate it or not, that's what they key into. This is crap. And I don't want to watch crap. I mean, when you get to stuff like Transformers, which is crap, there are those who defend it, who acknowledge, like Mark, the good points of it. And, you know, if there are good points to be had, I like to think I acknowledge them. But you don't get that with something that goes to, again, Ghostbusters. Nobody defends Ghostbusters. Not even Mark. I actually think, didn't I try? <laughs> didn't I pull you, out some it, of the good Look, we both found a couple – I think you and I both found one or two good things to say about the movie. If I remember correctly, during that review, I kind of banged on the table and stomped and said, acknowledge there was something good about this movie because there was. So I said Chris Hemsworth isn't the worst thing in the world, which is true. I still think the villain works better in that movie than in the original Ghostbusters, but we're not doing that review today. Well, the the original Ghostbusters is a very different type of movie in that sense, in the, you know, in that kind of sense. Um, all right, I think we need to move on to final words here. I wanted to do this in an hour. We are twenty six minutes away from uh, nine thirty. We can do it. We can we can wrap this up in time. Uh, all right, real briefly, I'll do my final words. Well, the writing in about money and yelling. Then yelling at critics. My favorite thing. Uh, All right. Real briefly, the acting in this movie is uniformly great. I mean, when you look at the cast they assembled, it couldn't not be. You have Oscar nominee Benedict Cumberbatch, who's done tremendous work. Uh, African dude, whose name I can never pronounce. Uh, (laughs) Showatel Ejiofor. I'm going with Ejiofor. That's just what I'm going with. Sure. Uh, again, Oscar nominee. I believe Tilda Swinton's won an Oscar, so don't hold me to that. That's off the top of my head. And Mads Mikkelsen, who should have received several nominations for his work on Hannibal, but because it's Hannibal, uh, a lot of the major academies, specifically the Emmys and the Golden Globes, kind of ignored it. So you have a the acting is very, very good. The writing is a little bit rushed at times. A little bit stilted and again a little bit formulaic which has its good has its good points and bad points the visuals are tremendous uh best part of the movie i wasn't a fan of their version of dormammu from a visual perspective but beyond that yeah it's better than galactus well they kind of turned him into galactus oh no he was no 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 no, not not visually not visually i mean in terms of his character because I mean, they look, don't have access to Galactus, so they created a surrogate. I mean, I, I, my, my defense of Dormammu as it's presented in the movie was 
they, I think on some level, they acknowledge the villain was Mad Mickelson and uh, Kaecilius, and it wasn't Dormammu, and Dormammu was just sort of a final boss. And so maybe next time around, if they're going to use more of Dormammu, it'll look different, it'll be different, but for the time being, it, it, it's fine. It wasn't one of the things I got really hung up on because all he was, all it was meant to do was sort of say, you know, you're the bigger evil than this Kaecilius guy who we have spent the, almost the entire movie with. So, um, you know, let, let's just, the, the whole thing there was getting to the time loop. And as long as it wasn't a, it wasn't a gas bubble, you know, and it didn't look silly, which I don't think it did, it was fine. Uh, I really like their version of Doctor Strange as a character. I like that he's intelligent. I like that he uses his brain. Again, he gets he solves this entire problem through lateral thinking. Uh, when they first arrive to for the final battle, they're actually too late, so he has to rewind time, which is kind of a no-no. Uh, because, you know, monkeying with time... There are consequences to monkeying with time, people. It's just one of those things you don't really want to do unless it's absolutely necessary. Actually, I wanted to touch on that really quick. Um, somebody, you know, somebody brought up. Uh, oh gosh. Oh, I, mean, we, I was talking to someone today uh, who will shall remain nameless, and they were complaining about Doctor Strange and how it was just like blah, and they hate Marvel and all this other stuff. Um, you're probably aware of who I'm referring to. And I said, so what's your favorite comic book movie? Give me, give me a baseline. What are the parameters here that we're working with? And he was like, the best Superman movie ever is the original Superman with Christopher Reeve. I'm like, oh, the one where he goes back in time to save Lois and there's no consequences for what he does. I mean, Christ almighty, the flash is all about time travel and the consequences of it. DC's legends of tomorrow is all about the consequences of time travel and Superman ruins almost the entire movie with this stupid scene of him crying over this one woman and deciding that he's going to spin the earth back and fix it and nothing else happens. It's weak sauce on like the hundredth level. And if you think I'm just making this up now, I probably said the exact same thing a few years ago when we covered this on Long Road to Ruin. I hated that ending since I realized that it was a cheat in the narrative. And at least... Yeah, and was supposed to be the ending of Superman 2. But if you, if you go, back, go that, back into the archives, find the edition of Long Road to Ruin where we talk about the Superman movies and listen to Mark rant and rave about that. Well, my point being, if you don't acknowledge that there are consequences to extreme actions, then, I, then you're, taking a, you're, you're taking a lot of the oomph from, from the narrative. And it, and it makes your movie kind of shitty. And I'm not saying Superman is a shitty movie, but it's, it's kind of like Civil War for me. Like, we're good, we're good, we're good. Oh, you fucked up the ending so badly, it kind of wrecked the rest of the movie. Like, uh, why would you do that? And that doesn't happen in this. Automatically making it better than most, than, than most movies I've seen. I think, like, in a lot of ways. For me, it's, it's you know, it, if we all kind of acknowledge that Iron Man set the tone and was, like, the best Marvel movie, for me, it's Iron Man, and in no particular order, Iron Man, so, um, Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Doctor Strange. Those are the four best. Those are the most. You're rating Iron Man too highly, but 
that's just me. Well, everyone thinks Iron Man's the best, so I'm throwing it in there as to not fight with the rest of the world. Wasn't my favorite. My favorite's still the Winter Soldier. No, and again, I like that Strange he uses, again, lateral thinking, uses his brain. He His whole thing about beating Dormammu is he goes up there and says, no, we need to, I, you know, we're going to bargain. And the guy says, and Dormammu says, no, you don't have anything to offer me, kills him. At which point Dormammu comes to realize he is stuck in a time loop. Being a, as a being from a dimension where time does not flow nor- naturally, suddenly being stuck in this one, you know, brief sequence for eternity because he's not going to age he's not going to again time is not flowing around them he is simply resetting it into this loop he uh, strange just completely alters the parameters of victory and I am a big fan of that I'm a huge fan of again lateral thinking of more than just punching your way out of something that being said, if you're going to have action sequences, they do need to look good, and they do here. Uh, really good movie. No complaints one way or the other. Uh, again, right. writing could have been better, but, you know, right. I'm not throwing a huge fit. The actors elevate the material as much as possible. Needed more Mads Mikkelsen, though, just generally speaking. I think my favorite interaction was when he's got the the torch thing, and sort of Mads Mikkelsen goes, <gasps> and then he kind of looks at Dr. Thing and goes, you don't have a you don't know and how to eat that, that said, do you? <laughs> and with that said, here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna whip through this. We're not gonna spend a tremendous amount of time beating this to death. Uh, this thing had a 165 million dollar production budget and probably about the same in advertising. Um, it made worldwide. Um, and, it, and it opened in, in some earlier, it opened in the rest of the world, uh, some earlier places, about $331 million. As of today, uh, the domestic was about $91 million. Um, the foreign was $240 million. Where that compares to Marvel uh, in the cinematic universe. Um, okay, opening weekend. Um, crap. <laughs> I can't look at it. Um, right now, total domestic grosses. Uh, no one's beaten the Avengers. Um, the, the one and two are at the top of the chart. Then Iron Man three, then Civil War, Guardians of the Galaxy, Iron Man, Iron Man two, Winter Soldier, The Dark World, uh, Thor, Ant Man, Captain America, The Incredible Hulk, and Doctor Strange comes in at fourteen. Uh, well, but, that's yeah, because it just, just came out. I actually think if you compare Doctor Strange's opening weekend to every other uh, origin yeah, movie, he's beating them. That's what I was trying to for. Um, I want to see if I can find that chart really quick. Uh, more I think opening he's beating weekend. everyone but Iron Man. Uh, uh, opening weekend. Here we go. Opening weekend. Um Okay, well, this is this unfortunately takes in a bunch of other stuff. Um, on the opening weekend chart, it actually ranks 64, I believe. Yes, it ranks between X Men Origins Wolverine and Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> yeah, you're looking at really odd data points right there. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
Star Wars Force Awakens currently holds the record at a $247 million opening, just, you know, and Avengers comes in third with Ultron behind it. In any case, um, it, it's pretty good. I mean, um, their projections for what it was going to do were kind of all over the place. I think it was brought down low um, once or twice. But overall, this was a win for, for Marvel. Uh, where it stands worldwide right now, it's not quite in the it's not quite in the top ten. It's just there. It's at twenty one. It's got it's got to make another like two million dollars to be tied with. Now you see me too. Oh, it'll, um, this thing's cracking the top ten. And another ten million to get beyond uh, Star Trek Beyond. To get in the top ten, it needs to make more than five hundred and forty three million, and that's gonna make and that's gonna make Fox a sad panda. Because then it's going to knock X Men Apocalypse out of the top. Well, top okay. Well, it serious question: Do we think it does that? I mean, I just said kind of flippantly that it will. I mean, I think three hundred million is rel- uh, in that area relatively easily. Do we think it cracks the top ten? Well, let's put it this way: You know, I think. Well, I wouldn't throw all my eggs into the into the. Well, if Rotten Tomatoes says it's good, then it's got to be good. Uh, and I'm really using short language here. I know Rotten Tomatoes is an aggregate. Um, but unlike most know, if, people, if, if it's got a high score on Rotten Tomatoes, if it's certified fresh, um, you know, at this point, casual fans uh, still need to go out and see this thing. And they're going, you know, the problem is, look, do I think it makes top 10? Yes. The short answer. Um, the long answer is, well, it's got competition coming up. It's got, but we, when we talked about this in previous shows, I'm not going to rattle through it all, but just off the top of my head, Moana, Sting, Rogue One. Um, I think that's it. I think we're, no, I think the only other big competitor and competitor I'm doing in quotes because it's a Disney movie, uh, is Moana. And then, you know, it, then in December, we've got Rogue One, if anyone's going to go see it besides us, Assassin's Creed, <laughs> um, and Sing. Which is an ad, which is the other animated movie from Universal. Are we doing um, Sing? Kids. Were we reviewing Sing, or does that come out the same weekend as something else? No time to do Sing. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go see it, but um, but you know, it's going to end up in the year year end review. If then I then I, I I won't see it then. It's I mean I'm sure it looks acceptable for what it is. The studios that does it is fine, but musicals aren't really my bag. Certainly pop musicals. Uh, to, but, uh, to compare, by the way, and I'm going to go with the Monday box office here. Um, actually, I'm not. What I'm going to tell you is that the other movie that debuted this weekend, sort of alongside of it, uh, hang on, Weekend Versus. Yeah, that's better. So, Doctor Strange was number one. You know what the number two movie was? Trolls. And number three, Hacksaw Ridge. So, all the movies that debuted this past weekend were all, um, you know, all debuted. Uh, progressively at the top of the chart. One, two, three, Doctor Strange, Pulse, Hacksaw Ridge. Um, Boo, A Medea Halloween fell from one to four. Inferno, two to five. The Accountant, four to six. Jack Reacher, three to seven. Ouija, Origin of Evil, five to eight. Girl on the Train, six to nine. And Miss Peregrine's Home for X-Men, seven to ten. So, um, Trolls, by the way, (laughs) my kids went to go see it. Kids loved it. My wife thought it was okay. She thought it was very cute. That actually had a $125 million budget. Um, well, yeah, they had to pay for the rights started, to all the songs that they used to flesh out their crappy movie. Not for nothing, but, I mean, just talking production-wise, it's already profitable. 
It's uh, good for them. $153 million. So good for trolls. And good for Anna Kendrick and Justin Timberlake. Yeah, I'm sure they needed the boost. Uh, all right. Speaking of things that make Robert want to commit suicide. Triple X, uh, the return ahead. of Xander Cage. I What's might actually button? commit suicide in theater or attempt it as a form of protest. <laughs> Hit the button, you nick. Oh no, God! No, God, please, no! 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 All right, we got about 12 minutes here. Let's do this. Um, in Florida, still too close to call. Anyway, it's for uh, Trump. It's going to be for Trump. Get over it, people. Um, 90% on the tomato meter, 91% liked it, so it's a hit. Um, but of course, there are some grousers, some naysayers, some people who, look, if they had, those that had legitimate problems with this movie that I can't necessarily defend, fine. I'm, I'm not going to even read those. But there were people who I thought completely missed the fucking point here. And that's what I'm going to stick with. I'm going to read a few of these, and then we're going to bail out Maverick. We're in a tailspin. So I'm, I'm just reading Rotten Reviews at this point. There were 24 of them. Here we go. Hey, Olsen of Cinema Mixtape. Uh, Doctor Strange is where the welcome wears out, where Marvel shortcomings take center stage and play a thousand encores. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, this follows the Marvel formula. Okay, I understand that. And anyone who, again, is in the critical circles might be a little bit tired of it. Fair play to you being tired of it. I completely understand. That doesn't make it bad. Again, is this a weak villain? Sure, objectively. One of the better ones Marvel's put forward, all things considered. But, uh, you know. Still weak on the objective scale, sure. Nothing. At least his plan made sense and his motivations made sense. I know, right? It's not, boy, I'm gonna hunker down here and hope that Captain America, Bucky Barnes, and Iron Man all show up at the same time. Or you know, or let's go on a let's go on a scavenger hunt with Ultron. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's again. Are there shortcomings to the Marvel formula? Sure. There's no disputing it. There's no getting around it. There are. That's not the. Be- that doesn't mean you get to focus all of your hipster angst about Marvel movies onto this one unfairly. It's not how that works. All right, next one. Um, oh God, I've lost my page. Uh, okay, Jordan Roth of the film stage. The strangest thing about Marvel's latest feature is that all of these characters come across utterly bored with their vocations. What the. <laughs> Wait a minute, what the... Yeah, no, no, Doctor Strange is clearly so bored of being a neurosurgeon that upon crippling his hands and being unable to do it, he embarks on a worldwide quest to get that ability back. No, this is clearly... These are clearly the actions of a bored man. And let us not forget something very important here, that he says through 90% of this movie, if not maybe a little bit more, hey... Uh, this is still about my hands. I never lost sight of that, which happens in a lot of movies that I've co- and I've complained about this, where it's like you started off with one objective and then with the slightest push of a feather, you're suddenly about this other cause. And the nice thing about him was he really wasn't. I kind of like that about the guy. It was like, I still want my hands back. And even at the end of the movie, he's still looking at him, you know, 
but that sort of well at the end you know, of the movie he understands that I can either have my hands back by constantly channeling magical energies into them or I can do magic on a greater scale and it's a rough choice yeah. and it's something that you know he struggles to live with to be sure It's not all something right. that he just like, all right, I guess for the greater good, I must soldier on without being able to, you know, practice medicine in the capacity that I've been doing so since I was in my early 20s and have devoted my life to to this point. No, it bothers him. He's actually right. a character in that sense. Yay. <laughs> well, speaking of which, Matt Goldberg of Collider. Goldberg. Dr. Strange. Doctor Strange likes to think it's adding a new dimension to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but in truth, it's the same Marvel story from a slightly different perspective. No, it isn't. Beg. Jeez, if it if you mean it follows the same basic narrative of man ob- man has suffers setback, obtains extraordinary power, must save worlds, sure. But how broad a strokes are we getting to here for you to complain about it being? the same old Marvel story. It's not. We're at, we're at a point now where I'm expecting these critics to just form a huge bonfire and start throwing Joseph Campbell's, you know, uh, the hero of the thousand faces into the fucking fire. Like, I don't get it. Um, Angelica Jade Bastine of RobertEgert.com, top critic, for all its wondrous world building and trippy effects, Doctor Strange isn't the evolutionary step forward for Marvel that it needs to be storytelling wise. I'm, I'd agree with that. Need to make money. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, here's the thing about that. I understand they need to make money, and I understand you don't want to deviate too much from the expected norm. At the same time, you know, viewer fatigue is a thing. And you don't want to just do the same thing over and over and over again. And I said before, Doctor Strange could have benefited from altering elements of the Marvel formula. I don't think it's, I don't think that's a detriment to the overall film. I think it's still a very successful movie, but if you're going to point out that, you know, Hey, it's 2016, you're into phase three now, you know, we can, you should probably be doing a little bit more narratively with these properties than you are, as opposed to simply rehashing the same origin story. I can understand the point. Look, every year, more children, get older and their parents bring them to these things and create lifelong fans. And, you know, so for every person that says, I'm getting tired of this, I'm going to go seek out other ways of entertainment. They're replaced by children who will see these movies for the next 10, 20 years. I, that's just the math. If you Demon, so. Stryker, Demon Straker, Impulse Gamer, Kevin Feige pulled on his Hyperblade Express shoes and gasped to the room. I don't get it. Um, yeah, that's a very poorly written review. Uh, Mara Ronstein of US Weekly Top Critic. Nobody's having much fun here. Well, except for Dr. Strange's devilish cloak of levitation. Yeah, that thing. No, no, no. Hang on. First of all, there are moments of severe levity in this movie. They're just deadpan. Anytime he tries to get Wong to laugh. I mean, this, this is comedy, people. The fact that it's not represented as such on screen or with a laugh track doesn't make it less comedic. It just means you're too stupid and conditioned not to recognize it. I guess he should have put on glasses with no lenses on them and said, you know, 
uh, and then cover his ears because something you know was blinding his eyes. Uh, morons. Or talked about the ratio of wonton to soup. Uh, uh, Matt Patch is a thrillist. Like Strange's Mirrorverse, where sorcerers cast spells without impacting our physical realm, his comic book vehicle delivers bursts of wonder with little lasting effect. Oh, that's one of them. Uh, a, that was uh, the diamond dimension, not the mirror dimension. Pay attention, you moron. Second, you know, and, and this is an interesting point with how they've structured the MCU. We're not quite sure what the effect will be. I imagine in this instance, the fact that he utilized the Eye of Agamotto, which was explicitly stated to be an Infinity Stone, if he hadn't used it, this is one of those things that, well, because it controls time, maybe uh, Thanos wouldn't have known quite where to look for it. But because you used it, now he knows exactly where it is. All right. Big finale, and then we're getting out of here, because I got, and I'm just going to read a bunch of these in a row so that you can have one big giant robism, you know, and then we can be done. Okay. I'm an ism now. All right. Good <laughs> to know. Ruben Zafaya of cinemalog.com. Affluent white guy gets knocked down a peg or two, gets rebuked by his girlfriend, Rachel McAdams, when he needs her support the most, has an epiphany at the hands of an inexplicably white Eastern master and reemerges as a superhero, Dr. Peculiar. She's not an Eastern Wait. master. She's explicitly stated to be Celtic. I, the, they the actually oldest, say that in the freaking movie. Yeah, he doesn't know what he's watching. And the, the stuff that was going on between Rachel McAdams and Benedict Cumberbatch, he clearly didn't get yet. So, and unfortunately, we just didn't have time to talk about it. Maybe uh, at the end of the episode, we'll double back. But there's a reason I'm reading these in a row. A beat for beat, <laughs> Sean Burns, Slice Personality, a beat for beat remake of the first Iron Man movie crossed with a Windows 95 screensaver. Doesn't this stuff ever get stale to you people? Hold it. <laughs> Googly. Jesse Hassinger, Brooklyn Magazine. Basically Iron Man with weaker laugh lines and vastly cooler action sequences. It's Iron Man meets Thor, meets Thor 2. And the thing is, these guys have met before. Googly. Hold it. Andrew Graham, Detroit News, top critic. There's a bunch of mumbo jumbo about sorcerers and whatnot, which way down the screenplay like an anchor. Oh, because we can't and have finally, exposition in a movie. You freaking hack. <laughs> Scott Mendelson of Forbes. The visuals are worth the price of admission, but this is as generic and by the numbers and origin story as the MCU has ever made. It's better than Green Lantern, but it will remind you of Green Lantern. No, <laughs> All right, you have literally... You have two minutes. Go. Okay, this is not a beat-for-beat beat remake of Iron Man. Not by any stretch of the imagination. We, Mark already covered, Tony Stark has a crisis of conscience and an even bigger ego than Doctor Strange does. Strange is a little bit more self-centered than Stark is, and these differences play out over the course of the screenplay. If you are complaining about this being the generic Marvel origin story in structure, okay, fair. This is how they've done all of them. Introduction to character, character suffers setback, character regains a bit of confidence, character loses someone, character triumphs. Here's just a minor thought for all of you people. That's the basic structure of somewhere between 50 and 70% of all stories told, period. 
I did mention Luke Skywalker earlier. You know, the no one cares about Luke Skywalker. The, the 1977 movie you may have heard of called Star Wars. I was not aware of this film. I will have to watch it. You're not missing much. I know. I, I keep hearing people talk about it, and I feel that they've built it up too much that when I actually get around to seeing it, I'll be disappointed. <laughs> Look, if you're just now cluing in to how the hero's journey works from an archetypal standpoint, I don't know what to tell you other than assuming you actually graduated high school, return your diploma and sue them because they failed you on a pretty fundamental level. I think what gets me about, uh, about the last couple of reviewers is that these are all professional like paid people. And one of them was a top critic. I know he draws a paycheck and it's like, you don't seem to understand the first thing about film and are just grousing for the sake of grousing. Again, if you are up, if you, if you've personally just kind of had it with Marvel origin stories, I understand. I really do. Allowing your fatigue to affect your review of the film in and of itself is poor craft from a critical standpoint. It's just, no, the two are not related. Sure, I, I have some viewer fatigue over the Marvel origin story. That doesn't stop Doctor Strange from being a good movie on its own merits. It just means I have to I know what's coming. Look, That's the two are not the same in thing. In summation, unless you have a burning desire to say one other thing, you, I think the the thing that I strive for on this show is to try to be objective. I do the same thing on Metal Hammer of Doom. I really do try to be objective about I mean like we're going to review the new the new OPEC album. Um album tomorrow night and look personally I hate it but it's not a and I've said this about some other albums before it's not an incompetently made album the people in Opeth know how to play their instruments and they make interesting music I'm just not a fan of it and so if you're just not a fan of these movies that's great but if you're a professional reviewer you're supposed to have a sense of objectivity in your writing that shows that you're you're supposed to be the person most knowledgeable about film and you're right and you're applying that knowledge to to specific films in in terms of reviews and what and a lot of the times the stuff that we read on rotten tomatoes is people just spewing their opinion like it's fucking twitter and that's all i have to say about that uh real Rob, briefly yeah. and just real briefly on on the subject of criticism and i'll be very brief true objectivity is impossible uh, Mark has a different perspective than I do. I have a different perspective from you. Or I mean, we all come from different places. We have different experiences. And when you listen to Mark and I review movies, you're not just listening for the objectivity. You're listening to my perspective, to Mark's perspective, to things of that nature. And even for professional reviewers, again, true objectivity is boring and impossible. The degree to which when I yell at people about their bias it's not because it's not obje- it's not purely objective it's how much you have slipped from objectivity to the point where you lose credibility within your profession hey and i'm going to i'm going to dart off and, i'm going to dart off and close out you close up shop and you know where to meet me folks yeah. uh, election coverage on on youtube um, just Google Mark, uh, go to YouTube, look for Mark Rattledge. You will find my page and the election coverage will be live in just a few seconds. 
All right, very briefly, uh, this Saturday I will have live coverage of UFC 205 in the MMA Zone of 411mania.com. So stop by and say hello. That's going to be a pretty big card. should be interesting, so you can find me there. Uh, Sunday on the 411 Ground and Pound radio show, reviewing UFC 205 and previewing UFC's doubleheader for you for November 19th because, yeah, they're running two shows in one day. That's going to suck for me. Uh, all right, Mark and I will be back not next week, but I believe the week after. Uh, I forget what we're reviewing, but we're reviewing something. So come back for that one. Uh, you can always follow us by liking the Rydalich and Broadcasting Network on Facebook. That's the best way to kind of follow up with uh, and keep up with all the news and what's going on on the network. Until next time, for Mark Radlich, I'm Robert Winfrey, reminding everyone out there to please continue to be well, be safe, and behave. And where is my outro music? There it is. I will see you next time, folks. <laughs>